is Off the Woodwork, your number one soccer source from the home for Atlanta United, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Check back each week for a breakdown of the previous week's match, exclusive interviews, and more on MLS and world soccer. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle Tate, Craig Carlos Valentino. Well, CCV, nice of you to join us once again after a long, long trip out to the left coast. But you still got in your five stripes. You still watched a nil-nil draw between Atlanta United and Seattle Sounders. And you even came across an unlikely fellow five-stripe supporter way, way, way out in the bay. What on earth happened when you were out west? You know, the crazy part about all of it, and it, you know, it's good to be back. It's It was definitely a long drive, two and a half days driving back here to Atlanta to uh, help my sister move out here. She was the last one in my family that wasn't here, so it's good to get her finally out here. Um, but it's funny because I went to uh, Friday night. It was one of my friend's birthdays. Chrissia, happy birthday. Um, like I said, I won't tell your age out there because I know you'll get mad at me, so I definitely won't do that. But uh, we all met up at a— It's nice of you. Exactly. You know, I'm scared of her. I appreciate Gentlemanly. You. Yeah, you know, she may beat me up, so I just know that's coming. <laughs> I just, I've known her long enough. Um, but so we're at a, a lo- one of the local bars there in the Bay Area, and of course uh, the game starts at 7, but the Warriors start playing at 7.30. So I'm like, hey, I get to the bar early. I'm like, can you turn this to, you know, Fox Sports 1? I'm trying to watch the game. Cool, sitting there watching the game. All of a sudden, about 30 minutes in, now everybody wants to turn all the TVs to the Warriors game that kicks off at 7.30. They're playing Houston Friday night game, big game. Harden's in town, big game. Well, I was like, you're not turning that TV. So the whole bar was like, wait, 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 hold on. I'm like, sorry, I got here first. I'm watching that game. I work for them. I need to have this TV on. And uh, Pete, so everybody on the bar gets ready to fight me until, until, until one guy steps up. Uh, Ricky, his name is Ricky Worthy. He says, no, no, hold on. We're watching this game. And I look at him like, okay, hey, this guy's got my back. Cool. And then come to find out, he's a season ticket holder for Atlanta United. He's got his pass on. He's, you know, he's got his sweater on. I mean, he's got a scarf on. He's ready to go. And he has my back in the bar. I'm like, that shows you. Atlanta United fans are few. <laughs> we're everywhere out there. And so it was an amazing thing. Me and him both were watching the game together, screaming, hollering. He says he listens to 1999 game all the time. Uh, he was happy to hear that we had a podcast. He said, I'll be tuning in. And uh, But, yeah, I want to say, hey, Ricky, thank you. With about 500 people in the bar, you had my back, man. Thank you. You said that he even recognized your voice. Yeah, he was like, I, he knew, he'd heard me on the different shows, and he listened to Zeno. He listened to the guys in the morning. Um, he, he he loved that we were playing more soccer. He loved that we had, you know, Darren Eels on. He loved that we had a bunch of the players that are on 92.9 in the game. So he's like, I just love this whole, you guys are really embracing the soccer thing. And I'm like, hey, it's been a big fight. But, you know, me and Kyle, we're definitely passionate guys and love talking soccer. So to be able to have the ability to do it, you know, week in and week out is a blessing to us. One of my favorite pastimes is listening to listeners who say that we don't talk enough about their sport. So yeah. if you're a Hawks fan, we don't talk enough about True. the Hawks. <laughs> if you're a Falcons fan, we don't talk enough about the Falcons. Uh, same thing with Atlanta United. Yeah. A lot of fans have come to me and said, you don't talk enough about Atlanta United. Well, you're Georgia Tech guy, too. We don't talk enough about right. Georgia Tech. Right, you don't talk enough exactly. about Georgia Tech. <laughs> Everybody thinks that you don't talk enough because nobody listens to 92.9 The Game for 24 straight hours. Yeah. They only listen for their 20, 30 minutes in the car, and if they don't hear their sport in that 20 or 30 minutes, they mu- they just assume that we must not be talking about they, their we sport. We don't care about it, which you, which you would be amazed how we have you know guys that are now coming on the shows weekly you have uh, players, you have coaches, you have front office guys. I mean, every day there's two or three guys a week. Yeah, Alec can jumped yeah. on Dukes and Bell on yeah. Thursday. It's, it's amazing how the the access we have at 99 the game here, and we're, like I said, we're so blessed to be able to, you, I mean, you go out there weekly and be able to interview these guys and talk to them week to week about different things that are going on on the field and off the field. So it's like if you definitely want to get your soccer fix and find out what's going on with the team, you know, Off the Woodwork is the place to be. Absolutely. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at off the w 929 That's the show. Myself, I'm at here, Kyle Tate. And uh, Craig Carlos Valentino, my co-host, he's at 
at Craig C. Valentino. So follow us all on Twitter. It's Off the Woodwork, your weekly MLS source from 92.9 The Game. Talking about a nil-nil draw against Seattle, and I know it's been about a week since that game happened, so we've had a lot of time to digest it. It was last Friday night, but with Toronto coming up, we also wanted to have plenty of time to talk about the upcoming matchup against Sebastian Javinko, what it's going to mean uh, with Clint Irwin out for Toronto as well. Former Atlanta United five-stripe. I know it's hard to believe he was only here for about 10 minutes, but uh, we'll talk all about Toronto FC and kind of preview the weekend as well with the upcoming big match on Saturday. Boy, some cruel scheduling, though, yes. from MLS to not only have the four games on the road, and I realize that's because Georgia Tech has their spring football. They play at Bobby Dodd. Understand that. That's Georgia Tech obviously has the the run of the place when it's their their football field and they're saying you can't play here and if Mercedes Benz was ready right we would have home games of here. course <laughs> of course so um, a lot of the players didn't understand I know Michael Parkhurst didn't he didn't realize that it, that was why that it was Georgia Tech spring football but it is um, <laughs> so not only do you have the four games on the road it's more than a month on the road with the international break built in but you also have the two teams that played for the MLS Cup last year you have the Seattle Sounders who won it in PKs over Toronto FC. Those are back-to-back to to start this four game. Then it gets a little bit easier with Montreal Impact and finally finishes off with a much, much softer note with Real Salt Lake. But that's a tough four-game stretch, especially to start it out like that right out of the gate. That being said, you have to be happy with one point out of going to Seattle, a team that hasn't lost at home in 13 games going back to middle of last summer. You got to be happy coming away with nil nil draw the way it played out. And talking about you know with national team duties as well and all that stuff going on with your guys leaving the program to go to their country. So to be able to come back, fly all the way out to Seattle, which is a really tough flight, a really tough place to play, an atmosphere that reminds us you know where we're trying to emulate that here for home for one our home field advantage. They've been doing that for a long time up there. So to be able to go there, play that team, and be able to get you know come back with points is an amazing thing. But that tells you a lot about the character of this team, a lot about the system that they run, a lot about the belief our coach has in his players out there and they're able their ability to be able to execute a lot about the depth of the team as well losing joseph martinez to injury in the venezuelan national team game that was huge and you didn't really have an apples to apples comparison on this roster for someone who could step into martinez's role and do what he had done i mean five goals in two games nobody's going to give you that kind of production anyway true and jason longshore filling in for you last week he and i uh, discussed that on the last episode of off the woodwork but Uh, you don't really have an apples-to-apples comparison. They had to slide somebody up there that had a similar skill set but less experience as a guy up top. And I think Hector Vialba did a fine job filling in for him. We'll break that down. But the injury to Joseph Martinez, the uh, resting for national team duty for Carlos Carmona, Miguel Almiron, uh, Kenwin Jones, who came in late, all three of those guys were substitutes in the the, uh, draw with Seattle, but the straw feels a little bit like a win because you went into a really, really difficult place to play and you were able to come away with a point. And you actually, there's points in the game where you look back and you go, man, if you tweak something here or there, if we could finish a little bit better, you walk away with three points. So it wasn't like one of those where you're parking the bus the last 20 minutes just trying to hold on to get a point. They had opportunities throughout the throughout the match where they could have actually put one in the back of the net to be able to get points. So I'm excited about what we saw. I was nervous as you when it came down to where is the goal scoring going to come from with Martinez being out? Are we going to put Assad up top now? How is it going to work with him not being out in the wing anymore, him working up there? Now Amaron's not in the game and he tends – all the offense tends to run through him. So can we be able to create offensive possessions without him on the field? And you showed that. At times it sputtered and, you know, it, it wasn't running as, as crisp as, it, as we've seen over the first couple of games. But it showed that we do have depth on this team and that you can plug and play and put some guys in there that can actually can execute. 
Let's talk about this game from the start because I think there were two very different halves. Out of the gate, first half, it was ugly. It was sloppy early on. Um, You had, I mean, five different guys who were playing either out of position or making their first starts. So, I mean, there, there wasn't as crisp of passing. You'd get the turnovers around the midfield like Tata Martino likes to do, but then they'd pass it right back and Seattle would be on the counterattack. So they really weren't able to build up a whole lot early on, especially in the first 30, 35 minutes. No, you're right. And I think that's one thing. The one of the, the glaring things I watched when I was watching the game was the, is, uh, the middle of the field. You, like you said, you've seen time and time again where we've been able to steal possession, kick it out wide, and all of a sudden someone's making a run, and then boom, there's a pass, and all of a sudden you got a one-on-one. You didn't really see that that much because a lot of guys were out of position, but also the communication wasn't there because they're not used to having that guy there. When you're used to having Martinez running on his, you, you kind of you've worked with this guy for four or five weeks you kind of know you can give each other that look we've always talked about that communication that doesn't have to be said on the field even when you play with someone long enough you kind of know what they want to do and it's kind of tough when you're kind of plugging and playing and putting guys that aren't in the normal position to be able to do those things that's why I was kind of it was frustrating in the beginning because you're like man if we could just get that one last pass in the final third to be able to create that opportunity but it seemed like to your point they just didn't know where the other guy would be and all of a sudden if you have to think about it on the field that's when you give up the ball Well, things started to uh, settle down as the first half went on, and I think in the second half is really when this team started to to show that these players are adaptable, and there's a lot of depth on this team, like I mentioned a second ago. But a lot of different guys can play a number of different positions. The midfield started to shore up, and then later on you got the substitution, especially of Miguel Almaron, who Mm -hmm. we saw as soon as he came in. It was a game-changer for Atlanta United. The thing I was most impressed with, though, was the defense because – After the intermission, the defense in the second half, Seattle was on the attack for a lot of it, especially after the addition of Clint Dempsey. Bringing a guy like that on. Once Deuce came off the bench, I mean, he had the the big scoring opportunity as soon as he came in on the header that went off the right post, um, which I tweeted out. I said, Off the woodwork. Off the woodwork. Appreciate the shout out, Clint Dempsey. Uh, But, you know, they, they were constantly on the attack. And I have to give a lot of credit to three guys in the back. The two guys on the back line, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, who continues. And I know Jason Longshore continues to say this. He says that that he's the MVP of this team, better than Al Marone, better than Joseph Martinez. Uh, LGP is the guy. Um, and then Michael Parkhurst also did a great job on the back line. And Jeff Lorenowitz, too, getting back there and providing kind of a shield for the back line so that as Seattle continued to attack, the defense had this bend-but-don't-break philosophy on the back. And it was amazing to watch. Yeah, that's the one thing. I Because I was worried. As soon as you saw Dempsey come in, you saw him go right off the woodwork uh, right there at the beginning. You're like, man, this is going to get ugly really quick. Because now the, you, you could tell their offense was kind of sputtering as well because they didn't have their players that were off as well. So you seem that they came into form and kind of knew what they wanted to do. But I thought... The one question I've always had has been about our back four, and as I thought they would get better each week as they played more and more together. And you saw that with an actual wave. It's not 10 men this time. It's not, you know, uh, you actually had a quality striker coming at you in waves, and they were able to mark up, be able to communicate with each other. And and I thought they really held their own back there and was able to still get the ball back out to uh, Amaron to be able to run the offense to go back the other way. So I was extremely excited. Like I said, we had Jason on yesterday, and he was saying the same thing, and I was like, I thought he was 100% right. Perez played amazing out there. I mean, you showed me the chart for where he was at most of the game. Like, the you couldn't find a piece of grass he didn't touch in that game. He was all over the place. Especially on the left side. I mean, he was up and down the pitch, even at a couple of moments where he was involved in the attack, which that's a bit of a change in style for Tata Martino because we've seen the outside backs push forward. We've seen Greg Garza. We've seen Tyrone Mears push forward and become a part of the attack. But for a center back to push push so far forward, I mean, we saw one point where Gonzalez Perez absolutely deked 
one of the Sounders defenders. I didn't see who it was. Oh, he's still looking for him, too, on that play. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. And and you just don't – I mean, go, I, I think I tweeted this out when it happened in the game. You don't see center backs anymore who are scared when they have the ball at their feet. Center yeah. backs of old, they would clear it as quickly as they could, but they didn't feel comfortable. They were awkward. That's not the case anymore, especially with uh, Leandro Gonzalez-Pires. That guy feels so comfortable with the ball at his feet – he has some serious skill on the ball, and he showed that off a couple of times in this game. And I think it's one of the things that taught us all in the beginning, because remember in the beginning of the year, he was talking about building from the back. And the only way you can build from the back is if you have if you're comfortable with the ball, because the defense is going to they're going to try to take the ball from you because it's in your in your in your back third. So they're going to try to steal it from you. So if you're not comfortable with that ball, if you have a keeper, we were saying in the beginning, Con in the beginning, he wasn't really comfortable with his with the ball at his feet. If you're not that way, it's tough to run that offense to be able to build up and then push out. You've shown, like he said, he's shown time and time again that if you give him the ball, he can make things happen and be able to start that offense. And that's why I've seen week in and week out, this team just getting better and better, especially on the defensive side. And I'm really excited about what's to come because you're right. It's going to be tough at times to uh, to be able We can plug and play a lot of the guys that we have up top because we have a lot of talent. But I think we'll go as far as this back four goes. And the way this back four has been looking really well, we'll be able to stime those great uh, scores that are coming our way. One thing we talked about last week with Jason Longshore on the show was talking uh, about how important it was for the back four to stay together during the international break. Uh, because Greg Garza, we, we wanted to see Greg Garza yeah, we were talking in about he U.S. Made men's national team, team yeah. duty, but because he didn't, that meant that all four, Mears, Garza, Gonzalez, Perez, Parkhurst, were able to stay together through the break. They were able to go through training. That's big for chemistry that you didn't lose that key piece, and I think we saw that effect in Seattle last weekend. I, I think you're 100% right. You hit the nail on the head because when you think about it, we've talked about each week they would get better, and if you have you lose a guy and all of a sudden you're just missing 10 days worth of working together. We're talking about these guys have only been playing together like eight weeks as it is anyway, so any extra time you can get these four together, working on set pieces together, working on marking guys better, working on, hey, if he goes, you got this guy, that, 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 that growth that you're going to have – Time you just—it's going to make that defense that much better. And trust me, a keeper loves a back four that plays together over and over and over again. Another key piece I think Gonzalez Perez added was uh, shutting down U.S. international Jordan Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never seemed to get on a break. He never seemed to get any kind of flow to his game. He was constantly being obstructed and. Gonzalez Perez and Michael Parkhurst did a great job of plugging up those holes and not letting him get yeah, free. Yeah, pressure, and that's the, what you have to do to great guys like that. You can't give them time because if they have the little bit of time, you've seen it with the best players in the world, the messies of the world. All of, if you give them time, they will eat you alive. You have to put pressure on them, force them to let them know that in the back of their mind, they didn't know that as that ball's coming, there's a man coming on, and they got to do something quick with that ball. They won't have time to to kick it out, to turn turn with it, to make a move. And so you're right. The best way to get rid of guys like that is to put pressure on them. And you saw that time and time again from our back four. A couple of stats on the day for Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. 77 touches. He led Atlanta United. 61 passes also led the team. And as we mentioned, he was up and down the pitch. If you haven't seen it, um, go in and look up his uh, touch chart, where he touched the ball. It was all over the left side of the pitch. I mean, he was a... You don't hear this usually for defenders, but he was a box-to-box defender, so to speak. You usually hear that more for midfielders, obviously. Right, yeah, but, exactly. But he was a box-to-box defender and was all over the place. He was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, another big takeaway, I think, from the nil-nil draw, aside from the point, uh, Tata's going to stick to his system, regardless of the pieces that he has available. Obviously, the key, uh, or the, the the formation that he wants to use, Joseph Martinez up top, Miguel Almiron at the 10. Yeah. Um, those guys weren't available. Almiron was obviously resting. Um, you didn't have Martinez, and you're not going to have him for another four to five weeks or so. 
But Tata's still going to stick to his system, even if guys are playing out of position or not in position that they're used to, to playing. You've got a couple of guys that hadn't started all year, like Jeff Lorenowitz, who I thought did a, a fine job. He's not going to adjust the system to the players. He's yeah. not going to change it based on who's available. It's going to be the same system all season long, it seems like. And that's key for consistency. That's key for the players to know exactly what Tata Martino expects night in and night out rather than on a weekly basis, changing what they're trying to do based on who's there. You're, you're 100% right because now if, if you're trying to focus things to maybe if I should put this guy on the left because he's stronger on the left foot or maybe we should go to two guys up top, then all of a sudden it's just the guys when you're expecting, like we're talking about, when you steal the ball in the middle of the field, you expect certain players to be in certain spots. So it's like they know that, okay, we need to get back on the offense, push forward, this is where your outlet passes are. And so when you start changing things around, then all of a sudden there's gaps in defense. Oh, oh I thought I had this guy over here. Or, or you you know, at the end of the day, if I go, you're supposed to cover this spot. When you start changing things around, that's when you start getting miscommunication. So I think it's a brilliant idea to say, hey, you, he knows what his players can do to say, hey, you may be out of position, but I have faith in you playing the left wing. I have faith in you playing up top. I have, you know, I, at the end of the day, uh, we'll put a sod up there because I know at the end of the day, Amadon's going to find a way to get you the ball. You know, so he's going to find ways to put his players, and that's what co- the good coaches do. You, you put players in positions to succeed, and I think better stick with what you know and what your system works because you know what the talent they have. That was the big debate last week. Would it be Yamil Assad up top, or would it be Tito Vialba? Would it be Kenwin Jones, even though he was Coming uh, back. captaining mm-hmm. both uh, both of Trinidad and Tobago's international matches? Uh, it ended up being Tito Vialba up top, and I wanted to get into a little bit more of an in-depth discussion about how he did filling in for Joseph Martinez. In my mind... Tito Vialba, and I, I sort of convinced Jason Longshore last week on Off the Woodwork, he kept saying Emil Assad or Kenwin Jones, um, or maybe Julian Gressel too, because Gressel had played at Providence up top as well. Gresselmania, so right? Even though, yeah, right. Gresselmania. Gresselmania can just play all 10 positions. <laughs> we won't put him in goal. We won't get crazy. But, um, yeah, so so he kept saying it was either going to be Assad or Gressel or uh, Kenwin Jones on, on short rest. But I thought Tito Vialba was the the most sane choice, even though he doesn't have a whole lot of experience up top, which is a, a key part of this. In terms of his skill set and his speed is the biggest thing, that you don't have to change your style too much between Martinez and Tito Vialba because both guys are lightning quick. Yes. Uh, two of the fastest guys in MLS this season. So I thought it made sense that Tito Vialba was up top, even if he didn't have a whole lot of experience up top. And I thought he filled in admirably. Yeah, he, he did well for what was asked for him. I think at the end of the day, it's... it's as a, and you've seen this time and time, especially when it comes to Martinez, is when you have that communication with your attacking midfielders that will be able to get you the ball that know your runs, they can kind of predict where you're going. When he's up there, they haven't really worked with him as well, so it's like, okay, I don't know. Are you going? Are you not going? And if you have to hesitate, that's enough time to the defense to make that adjustment. So I thought at times, like I said, he had you know a really good run. For, I saw it put him on a ball. It was a really good one. Keeper made an amazing save. Uh, but I thought he played well for what it was, but it was – I think as he gets, because like I said, Martinez has been out for, he's going to be out for the next four weeks, so it's going to be kind of by committee. But I think that as he gets more and more opportunities up there, he's going to be able to get that you know communication and be able to work well with those guys. His speed was there, the runs were there, in my opinion. I don't think the passes were. Yeah, I, I think they, I didn't think they put him on enough balls yeah. to be able to make the one great one he had was a great save. At the end of the day, I mean, the keeper way he went down and got that ball I was like, I didn't know how he made that save. And, I thought it was a little bit of a heavy touch, but I thought he. he I think if you give him that shot again, he puts it in the back of the net. But I think at the end of the day, you still got to tip your cap to the keeper on that play. And I talked to somebody on Twitter during the game, which, by the way, um, if you don't follow me, at here, Kyle Tate, I'm you pretty active. You're missing out. You're I'm, missing out, people. I'm pretty active on Twitter during the game. I, I, I'm constantly talking to fans. So just just tweet me whenever you're watching Atlanta United. You can tweet me this weekend uh, up against Toronto. 
I'll definitely be around and active and following <laughs> and and giving you my ideas and kind of what I see on the pitch. His but, substitutions, yes, yeah, you'll see it all. Yeah, my my opinions on what Tata should have done. I'm not too harsh, though. I haven't been yet. No, you're not like, a, what's her name from Blindside, just calling the coach up, run right. the ball. Yeah, you're not doing <laughs> right, all that. Right, right, right. So, yeah, no. I'm not Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Run the dang ball, Ted. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not that bad, but you know you 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 see something, and it's funny because when I, when I follow you, especially because a lot of times me and you're kind of tweeting back and forth. I'm reading some of the stuff you're saying, and it's true. Some of the things that you see out there, you're like, hey, I see this, this is the way we should go, and then it gives us yeah. stuff to talk about here because it's it, it's a lot of times it's true. And somebody said to me, they they said that they didn't think Tito Viabo was doing a very good job up top. Well, that was because we really, really didn't see him a whole lot. Yeah, I thought he was doing a great job if you're watching him off the ball, but because of all the turnovers around the midfield. I mean, they were giving the ball right back to Seattle and getting them on the counterattack. Tito really didn't have a lot of opportunity in the first half to get terribly involved in the offense. You're right. And then so you think about it. If you steal the ball back and all of a sudden he's looking up like, all right, I'm making my run. And then they give the ball back. He's like, now I'm off sides again. So it's right. like I got to come back back on side. That's why that whole communication really works well in the midfield. And it was knowing, all out of sync. Yeah, though, it, was, it, it just looked clunky. It just looked like a machine. It didn't look like the well-oiled machine we're used to seeing. But you expect that yeah, because well, everybody was out of position. You didn't have your best players out there. It's like I, I made the joke when I said that, you know, uh, Martinez is Julio Jones and Almarone is as Matt Ryan. So it's right. like if you don't have Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, go watch the Falcons play without right. those guys. You're talking and about it's not Matt Schaub throwing a Taylor Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, not going to be, be the same pretty. thing. Exactly. Nothing against Shaw or <laughs> but, Gabriel. But, but you just ain't Matt Ryan and Julio, bro. Well, um, I, I I thought that uh, for the first 35 minutes it was exactly what we expected. Um, it was it was a little bit sloppy, and and from there they they started to learn their new roles. There were a couple of adjustments here and there, a couple of shifts uh, in terms of position, and um, I really was interested in Leandro Gonzalez Perez and his his pushing forward. That being said, talking about the the up top sort of battle, I guess, and Joseph Martinez's absent absence, and luckily he's only going to miss maybe three or four more matches, hopefully. Uh, with Fingers this, crossed. With Fingers this crossed. quad injury. But did you see enough from Tito Vialba up top to consider playing him up there over Kenwin Jones, who obviously has significantly more experience up top over in the Premier League? I would give him another run, but with Amaron working with him. I think at the end of the day, he just didn't have the attacking midfielders that would have made his game that much better. I would love to, like I said, you, so you put a second game. If, if Toronto decided to put him back up there with Amaron, see how they work together, and then go from there. I think I think we know what you get with Kenyon Jones. Great player, quality player, but just not it's going to be that stellar, I'm going to take over a game kind of player. You're not going to see that from him. He's just a quality, great striker. If you put him on a ball, he'll find a way, you know, because he's a crafty player, been playing for a while, he'll put in the back of the net. But he's just not going to give you that explosive, all of a sudden, just going to take over a game like you've seen from Martinez. And I think you can see that from the speed you get from Vialba. That's why I think that if you give him better passes and give him guys that can work with him and put him on the ball, I think he, can, I think he deserves that opportunity. There are two key differences. I mean, they're very different types of players, Tito Vialba and Kenwin Jones. Uh, Jones spent a long time over in the Premier League. He played for Southampton, Sunderland, uh, Stoke, and, and Cardiff City as well in the championship. Um, but... Kenwin Jones is on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. And he's over six feet tall. So he gives you the opportunity on crosses. Yes. And nobody else on United up top has that opportunity. You're not going to win any any, uh, headers in the box. So when Kenwin Jones is out there, that gives you the opportunity to build from the sides and lob him into the box. Whereas with with Tito or Joseph Martinez, you just don't have that option. Those guys aren't going to go up against some of these big center backs and win any headers. Um, that's why you see so many short corners True. when they're in set pieces because you just don't have the height for Atlanta United. But Kenwin Jones, on the wrong end of 30, being so big, doesn't have the lightning-fast speed that Tito 
and Joseph Martinez have. And so that's why, in my mind, Vialbo was the the clear-cut choice for playing up top because it's not just the offense that you're missing when Joseph Martinez isn't there. It's the defense, too. It's running around and being sort of an Iron Man in the backfield trying to pressure the center backs and force them into turnovers so you can get one-on-one with the keeper. And it's being able to not just be on the attack but also on the defensive and being the front line of the defense. That's part of that being that full-pitch press that we've talked about all season. And I think it, 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 pivots, it pivots to what you were talking about earlier where it says – Tata's going to run his offense, so I'm not going to change things. We're also not going to be a crossing, heading, throw it into the box kind of team. We're just not because we don't have that height. So why would you put a player in that's going to change what you do best? If we play at speed and open spaces and passing the ball in and out and looking for runs and be able to put people on runs, then, yeah, at the end of the day, that's going to be the best way to do it. So I that's why I think you said Vialba is the best way to do that for that reason alone. Well, uh, in talking about Toronto, I, I agree with you. I think that Tito Vialba deserves the uh, – the better opportunity. I, th- I think that he deserves one more shot at it with the true center attacking midfielder, uh, Miguel Almiron, actually setting him up. I want to see how he's able to to fill the shoes of Joseph Martinez. We saw him score his first goal a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. against Chicago. We saw him find the back of the net. Now he's building some confidence. Uh, we had somebody just chime in on Periscope and say, Miguel Almiron would have fed Tito well, and I agree. I wish yeah. we could have seen that for the better part of 90 minutes. Yeah, you're right. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, I always compare things to other sports, but it's like when you see guys playing against preseason guys and third stringers and like, okay, he looks decent or he could struggle, but like, yeah, if no one's blocking for you, it's kind of tough to be able to, if you're not playing with the number ones, it's tough to go out there and perform like a number one when they're like, we need you to go score all these goals, but no one's putting you on the ball. Give me the guys who can put me on it and then let's see what I can do then. So that's why I would love to see him with the full team around him, the, the, our quality team ahead of him, and then see what he can do then. And then we will get a true example of what, uh, of what he can do. Another good point on Periscope, we need to be cleaner coming out with the ball, especially in the first half on Saturday against Toronto, than we were against Seattle. Yeah. There were, I mean, those, there were some ugly touches oh, for Atlanta. Oh, ugly the first, first touches. Like I said, and even, and, and, we're, and we're praising Vialba, but like I said, his first touch on that ball that was sent to him by Assad, I was like, if you touch that ball better, it's a goal. Like, he, he, it was a heavy touch, and then it gave the keeper a chance to be able to get the ball, but it's like, like those things are, those things, like I said, you got to clean up, especially in the final third, because that's the difference between winning a game and losing a game. Well, it is Off the Woodwork. It's your MLS source from 92.9 The Game. I'm Kyle Tate. He's Craig Carlos Valentino. You can follow the show on Twitter at Off the W 929. I'm at here, Kyle Tate, and he's at Craig C. Valentino. Your followers, by the way, have really, um, I mean, they're on Barry Bonds type juice over that, the last That's couple what of happens weeks. when you roll with Kyle Tate, people. I'm trying to tell y'all. <laughs> y'all don't know this guy, trendsetter. When you hang with him, people just give you 20 bucks for no reason. Just, hey, here's 20. Tell my boy Kyle, I said, what's up? That that's, doesn't happen. That's how he rolls, that man. That's untrue. That's what happened when I was in Cali. They were like, look, beer's on me. You know Kyle? Got you. But they were trying to change your TV, They did try to change your TV, though. They were going to do anything <laughs> to get the TV changed. Trust me. I know those Warrior fans. Well, let's talk about Toronto. Uh, again, a cruel bit of scheduling. You go from Seattle, <laughs> the reigning MLS Cup champs, to the reigning Eastern Conference champs in Toronto and a team that I think is a serious, serious contender to possibly get to the finals again this year, especially if they're able to get Clint Irwin, their their keeper, back to full strength, and also keep Sebastian Jovinko, yeah. who I wrote down on our show rundown very simply, he's a cheat code. He is a cheat code. <laughs> it's like he, he's Kyle Tate out there, dude. Oh, he's Craig Cross Valentino, like six five, runs four four speed, can do it all. He's a cheat code. He's man. the guy you want to make and you create a player <laughs> exactly. in FIFA. Uh, somebody asked me the other day on Twitter who I play with in FIFA, who I make my franchise with. 
And because Atlanta United isn't yeah, in FIFA yet. Yeah, take that shot, please. Take that shot. EA Sports, what on earth are you doing? What are you waiting on? Like I said, the number two team when it comes to selling jerseys for teams worldwide, and you can't get them on your game? Every day I log into FIFA, I download the roster updates and, and any new updates that come in, and I immediately log back out and start playing another game because Atlanta United isn't in there. That is a, that is a damn shame. A damn shame. I, when you told me that, I was like, are you serious? I'm like, you using updated schedules? And he's like, I'm doing updated everything, bro, and it's still not there. That's wow. unreal. That's it's just, But like you said, he's a cheat code. I mean, he's uh, he's one of those guys that you definitely got to win. You got to count for him all points of the game. Like I said, you got to put pressure on him. You can't let him get comfortable at no point in the game. You got to bump him. You got to make it just an ugly game for him. At the end of the day, pulling the jersey, whatever it takes, just to get him right out of his game. Because if he gets in the game, he gets flowing. It's a tough guy to stop. Somebody just said on Periscope, I have to wait till FIFA 2018, which is so after we win the championship, they're gonna put us in it. It's ridiculous <laughs> because last year Orlando City and or two years ago Orlando City and NYCFC were in there in their first week of play. Yeah, you trying they, to tell they me they weren't they, in MLS, but they were in rest of world yeah, in that uh, category. You're trying to tell me that they haven't built the technology yet to go update something at EA ridiculous. Sports. I'm like, they will change Madden rosters weekly yeah. from cuts. So yeah, no, I won't buy that. Anyway, um, the team that I start my my di- my dynasty with as I <laughs> knock my microphone all around the studio. The team I start my dynasty with is Toronto because of Javinko. Yeah. I mean, the guy can outrun back lines like crazy yep. in FIFA and in real life. Yeah, in real life. Uh, he's just so, so good on the ball. His skill moves are like nobody else in MLS. And I think that he, again, is a front runner to win most valuable player in MLS, too. I mean, the guy is just a stud. He, he got hurt for the one week, two weeks ago, but um, for Toronto, they're thankful. Atlanta United isn't so thankful that he came back immediately and was uh, active this past week. But, I mean, the kid is just an absolute – I can't call him a kid anymore. He's yeah. a vet. Yeah. But the guy's an absolute stud. And and, and, and he's comfortable in MLS, and, too. And, that, and that's the part that you say. Once he's comfortable, he's an extremely tough player to play. And so – when I look at it from you know from a manager point of view, like what do you got to do? You got to make you got to have two guys that are accountable for that guy every time when he's on the ball. This is what's happening. You're putting pressure on him. You're playing off him. It's you have to make a conscious effort to bracket that guy all over the field because at the end of the day, if he gets any time, all of a sudden he's one pass away from putting you in trouble. And so he's one of those guys that. When you watch him play, you're like, man, that guy's an amazing guy, and you want to cheer for him as long as he's not playing your team. Yeah, <laughs> and to go back to Seattle, Jordan Morris shutting him down mm-hmm. for Leandro Gonzalez-Perez and, and Michael Parkhurst, it's going to be a tougher <laughs> like, test hey, with Javinko. good job, guys. I need you to do that again. Right. <laughs> Here goes round two, a little, little bit stronger now. <laughs> and and I think that LGP is up to the task. Yeah, we've because, been great the whole, this whole season so far. Yeah. So. I'm really that's the battle that I'm watching yeah. is on the Atlanta back line how well you can shut down Sebastian. Yeah, because then because then you you get rid of all the naysayers. You get rid of the Craig Carlos Valentinos that worry about the defense. You go out there and shut down a guy like that. You go, "Hey, this defense is a whole lot better than we talked about because you've mentioned it time and time again. This is the best back four that's ever been put together in expansion history, which it is. But just, at times I still wonder like, are they going to be that good? And if you can put shut down a guy like that, then you can be that good. No doubt about it. Another key battle that I'm watching, Toronto is one of the best. We talk so much about Javinko, but let's talk about their defense. Uh, they play with three center backs, which mm-hmm. is a rarity yeah. in, in MLS, certainly. Um, and they've only allowed two goals all year in, in four matches. This is a really, really stout defense, but they're missing a key piece in their goalkeeper, Clint Irwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be out for four to six weeks. A hamstring injury suffered against Sporting KC this past week, who, by the way, you had to figure that was going to be a nil-nil draw because... 
it was, um, what do they call it? Unstoppable force meets an immovable object. object yep. Here you had immovable object meet immovable object. object. Yeah, that was going to uh, end that way. <laughs> Nil-nil draw. Sporting KC's only allowed one goal all year. Toronto FC's only allowed two goals all year. Um, it was a, a great match, but Clint Irwin ended up getting hurt, and uh, that's a, a key piece missing. I loved the piece, though, on um, Dirty South Soccer uh-huh. about Clint Irwin. They were talking about the great Atlanta United keeper, Clint Irwin. He was with the Five Stripes for all of about 10 minutes. You probably <laughs> you, you may not remember this, CCV. Uh-uh, I don't. Clint Irwin was drafted in the expansion draft in the third round, turned around, and immediately flipped back to Toronto for Mark Bloom and allocation money. Oh, see, I, yeah, I did not even know that. 10 minutes, maybe. He put the hat he on. He was a Five Stripe. <laughs> and yeah. he took the hat off. Like, all right, it's been enough time to take the pictures and then keep it moving. You couldn't <laughs> even get through Welcome to Atlanta where the players play. Hey, hey. Welcome like, to Atlanta where, oh, he's Toronto he's like, again. <laughs> who's ludicrous? Never mind. Just go, so, go play some Drake music. Just go back and play some Drake. <laughs> well, uh, Clint Irwin's going to be out. That's going to be uh, a big thing for Atlanta United to take advantage of. But finding ways through this defense, this is a different test. And there's actually a good article from Jason Longshore, the color commentator for Atlanta United at 92.9thegame.com, all about how this Toronto defense is a different kind of test for Atlanta United. It's something they haven't seen before. Yeah, especially, and I think the one thing that you can't exploit is the keeper. Because at the end of the day, the keeper is what, if you have a strong keeper and a strong two guys in front of them, they all work well as like a triangle as a unit. And so when you don't have that reassuring voice, especially, like I said, when it comes to set pieces and when it comes to communication – that can be a real problem because you're used to hearing a certain voice behind you. I, I remember when I played keeper and the guys in front of me, they were my lifesavers. At the end of the day, I knew what I could count on from them. I knew what they could do and what you couldn't do. And they knew what I could and couldn't do. So they were like, hey, we know if all of a sudden, if we got a guy coming this way, I know you're not going to be able to cover the back post that way. I got you. And so when you get guys like this, and especially you have – you expect you have a keeper that plays so well, and all of a sudden you have to bring the backup in. And at the end of the day, I mean, these guys are still top class athletes. It's not like you bring some bum off the street that's going to go play in the goal. But it's a lot different game when you don't have your starting keeper out there, and you don't have, especially when you have a defense that's locked in and playing as well as they are, only giving up two goals. You 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 used to you like the comfort. You like knowing that you got your guy back there. At the end of the day, he's behind me, and if I hear him saying I got it, I know he's got it. It's a different voice. It kind of makes you guess it for a little bit, and if hopefully Atlanta can exploit that a little bit. And in terms of atmosphere, I think BMO is going to be one of the toughest uh, places that United has played in so far. Seattle always brings it, of course, with yeah. the crowd. I thought that they handled their own uh, fairly well in yeah. Seattle, especially early. But right out of the gate, and somebody pointed this out on Periscope earlier as well. Right out of the gate, it, it, the the match is going to be defined by the first 15 to 20 minutes because that place is going to be rocking. It's going to be a tough place to play. I mean, these are the same fans that you saw throughout the baseball postseason with the Toronto Blue Jays the last two years. You see them for the Raptors when they get Toronto ready to play for the playoffs. Toronto is a great, yeah. great sports well, city now. It's an amazing sports town. They re- Those fans really have their teams back, and so I'm excited about that um, to see what kind of atmosphere. Because as a fan, as a fan of soccer, you love seeing venues that are, like, packed and crazy. It's like... I mean, even though you're like, man, we got to go into this hospital environment, you like that because you know why? Because then it, it gives you that motivation to be like, we're going to make sure our house is just as crazy as stuff when people come and play here. So I'm excited to see what that first team minute, 15 minutes, uh, first team, first 13 minutes look like. How's it going? Yeah, the Don't first yourself. 15 minutes <laughs> is what I've been trying to say. The first 15 minutes, I want to see how that goes because I think at the end of the day, if you can take that crowd out of the game and we can run our offense the way they the, and run that passing game the way we run that passing game, I think you can definitely take this crowd out of the game. It only took you 12 minutes and 8 seconds to, to say, say first, fi- 15, first 15 minutes. First 15 minutes. Unreal. Unreal. <laughs> we work in radio. Well, well dude, I'm, I'm used to working at midnight. We're too early tonight. This is what's wrong. We're pros here. We're, we're professionals. That's why I don't do two shows a night. Yeah, won't please do it. stand back. Give us space. Give us space to operate. <laughs>
and one final battle I want to mention. Uh, obviously a very U.S. flavor to a Canadian team with mm-hmm. Josie Altidore and Michael Bradley. Yep. Michael Bradley, captain of the U.S. men's national team, as well as Toronto. Um, watching the midfield battle between Miguel Almiron and Michael Bradley. Bradley was very, very good a couple of years ago. He's lost a step. Yeah. Almiron is only coming into his own. He's only 23 years old out of Paraguay. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And somebody pointed out to me earlier this week, he should run circles around Bradley, and it's going to be necessary in order to win this game and and steal the three points at Toronto. I think it's at the end of the day, I've said it you know, each week, it all runs through Almiron. When, the, when he's clicking and when he's passing and when he's putting people on balls, this offense is unstoppable. I mean, that's the way he plays. That's the kind of pass he puts together. That's the kind of speed and pressure he puts on backs for. So if he can go out there and do and do what he – the little glimper what we saw with the 30 minutes that he even got a chance to play in Seattle. If he can go out there and, and play a full 90 minutes the way we've seen him play – I, I, you can't stop that kid. I'm like, when I've joked about it, so when I'm getting a jersey, he's my jersey I'm getting. That dude gets it done time in, time out, because of what he can do on the ball, his passing game, and his speed, it's unmatchable. This past weekend was WrestleMania. Do you have your WrestleMania shirt yet? Uh, you know what? It's crazy. I'll start hearing WrestleMania, and I'll be like, excuse me? And all of a sudden, <laughs> it got real. People were chanting it when he gets off of buses. I'm like, it's real out there. I'm like, hey, you know what? You always love a good nickname. Anytime you can give a good nickname that you don't give yourself is always a good one. And Jay says on Periscope, he says, WrestleMania for the Bradley KO. Yep. See? Well played. Well it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, give me a final scoreline prediction here for Atlanta United and Toronto. I say one nothing. I think at the end of the day, I think uh, we end up getting one. You know, I say I probably who scores it. Uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go Assad. I'm going to say put, put Assad on a ball, uh, some kind of deflection. He just knocks it in the back of the net. Uh, one nothing. Probably like in the, about the 20, 25th minute. I'm going to say two one. Two one. I'll say Assad and. Kenwin Jones. I think Jones is going to be the choice up top. Yeah. I, I hope that Tito Vialba gets the opportunity, but I think Kenwin Jones makes more sense with the experience up top, and that's a key part. So I'm going to say Kenwin Jones gets one, Assad gets one, and then on the other side, Sebastian Javinko gets one. Because the guy's, guy's just a beast. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's yeah. just a beast. So I'm a I'm a big Sebastian Javinko fan when they're not when, when he's you're not, not playing. playing exactly. He's one of those dudes you cheer for. You're like, yeah. man, this is his he has world class. When you watch him play, you're like, that guy is amazing. Just don't want him going against my team. Jay says, I, I guess he's saying LGP is going to score a goal for Atlanta United. Hey, I, I would it, not put it past him. I'm pretty sure there are long odds on Leandro Gonzalez Perez scoring a goal for Atlanta United. But if you but, put five on it and then all of a sudden it hits, just remember, hey, just get us pizza, man. Remember, Le- pizza. Leicester City won a whole lot of people some money. <laughs> exactly. At really, really long 2, odds. 2,500 to one. So go ahead. You put 10 bucks on it. It's awesome. Well, as we close out the show, we made a promise that we have to uh, uphold. Yes. We got to give a shout out to Hull City over in the Premier League. Yes. Wendy Adams, Hull City's newest number one supporter. The, She's been on board for about a week. The in reason Premier why League they're football. winning. The reason why they're winning. And they've gone 2 and 0. Uh, they beat Middlesbrough this past weekend, 4 2, and they are out of the relegation zone yes. now. So Wendy was all sorts of fired up that Hull City, the Tigers, are out <laughs> of relegation. Tigers, yes. <laughs> and I, I said she's still learning the game, and and Craig and I are teaching her. We've got soccer 101 and uh, Premier League 101, yes. especially. She's already got her her orange and black striped kit. Yes, which uh, I will say she looks better than, than that than we look in our kits. Yeah, by far, yeah. by far. Um, but with the with with whole city, she just she picked a random team. She didn't want to pick a front runner with Manchester yeah. United, with Chelsea, with Man City, whoever, Liverpool, Arsenal. She wanted to pick a team that was fighting for their relegation lives, and I can respect that. Yeah, exactly. I'm a Chelsea supporter, so yeah. I I went with the the evil giant. Yes. Um, 
And which is amazing how we get along so well with me being a Man United fan. Yeah, we just don't talk about it. <laughs> we, yeah, as long as we don't yeah. talk about it, we're good. We don't just talk like, about Fight Club or it'll turn into a Fight Club. <laughs> or it'll turn into Fight Club. Rule number one. <laughs> but uh, big wins for for whole city. They've got Man City coming up this weekend. And um, Wendy Adams is lit. Every day, Wants she's us excited. To go watch the game with her, so yeah. she can cheer us on. I'm yeah. like, and I'm always down to cheer against Man City, so I'm always down to you know do that. So yeah, she wants to get over to um, what's the place over in Little Five Points? Um, um oh, I I thought we were gonna do like like a Mehams or something like that, or or like you know one of the local spots. I know we're going all the way over there. Yeah, little, Good question. What's, what's the place in Little Five? Watch I'm, somebody will know I'm it. Blanking, on the, yeah. yeah, somebody, somebody on will know it on Periscope. But yeah, I don't, a good question. I've so. been over there. A, a, Couple of times, I watch the World Cup. It's the best place in Atlanta to watch soccer. Really? But I'm totally, okay. Then I haven't been there. Yeah. Yet. No, I've I'm, been most. We did we did Reraws here and did like Fados and all the, the, right. the some of the local spots here by the station. But I've never traveled. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to talk to promotions to set up our shows at these places so we can actually do our live shows from there. So that'd be a lot more fun. That'd be sweet. Yes, I'm um, down for that. What's the What's the name of that? Park Tavern? I don't know. It's going to uh, bother you. Watch. You're going to remember 2 a.m. and it's going to text me in the morning. It like is going to bother me. It's like, dude, it's so-and-so. I don't like, text. I go call. to sleep. Yeah, exactly. You, I'll be like, I, go to sleep, bro. I, I'm that obnoxious guy that everybody's like, man, why does Kyle always call me instead of text me? Just text me. Like, hey, Just bro, text me, bro. What are you doing? Sleeping. All right, remember the name. Great. Text me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to happen later, guys. Just watch. Well, anyway, um, Atlanta United on Saturday. Where are you watching the game? Good question. This Saturday, I am actually where are off. we watching where are we? the this game? Said, I am actually off for because I've been working this week on uh, on Rick and John's show, so uh, which has been a lot of fun because we were able to uh, to get um, Longshore on, uh, which was a lot, of, which was a lot of fun there. I kind of had to feed those guys the questions. To right. hey, here you go. Here's some questions to ask. Randy like, <laughs> Mack came out the other day when they had Darren Eels on the program. He said, "Hey, Tate." Write me up three questions for Darren Eels. <laughs> that's what I did, for, I did for Rick Campbell. I was like, Rick, and then all of a sudden Rick's asking questions, and Jason's like, man, that's a really good question. And Rick's like pointing to me. I'm like, I got you, bro. <laughs> that's how the sausage is made here, people. Yep. So, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm off. I got, they said, I'll do the game early. Uh, I'll do the show early, and then I'm pretty much off. So I'm down. You guys tell me where to go. We'll, we'll make it happen. Matter of fact, if you guys have ideas of where we should go, tweet at us off the woodwork or whatever it may be, some local bars and taverns that you guys are going to be at this weekend. Let us know. And well, maybe we could put a poll up, and whatever you guys pick, that's where we show up. They to. just said at Fado Midtown. See, Fado, it's at, yeah. I can stumble there from or here. Or Fado, yeah, or Fado yeah. as John uh, freaking Fado, Fado, Fado. <laughs> yes. So we could definitely, uh, if we'll, that's what we'll do, we'll put up a poll tomorrow on ninety nine the game website, and you guys tell us where you want us to go, and then we'll see. We'll put it up for a couple hours, and wherever you guys say, that's what we'll hit up. We'll be there. Cool. Well, uh, this has been another edition of Off the Woodwork. Nil-nil draw that kind of feels like a win over it Seattle. Definitely felt like a win to me. And now you go to uh, Toronto, which I think is a big opportunity, especially them missing their keeper, a big opportunity to maybe steal away three points on the road. We will steal one. one nothing. You heard it here, baby. All right. Um, he's Craig Carnes. Uh, See? I don't get stuck on my stuff, too, just, as well, too. I'll just call you Carlos. Yeah. Go, Carlos. Don't worry. That means you're going to make management <laughs> if you do that. He is Craig Carlos Valentino. I'm Kyle Tate. You can follow him on Twitter at Craig C. Valentino. I am at... Here, Kyle Tate, and you can follow the show at Off the W929. Hope you'll join us and and chat uh, throughout the game at Toronto. If you can't uh, come out and actually meet us in person, wherever we end up uh, deciding to go on Saturday, but uh, we'd love to meet you. Come over, uh, shake our hands, and, and say hello, and tell us that you listen to the show. And um, yeah, good show today. 
a lot of fun. Man. I'm glad to have you back. It's you know, good to be back. I, I love I, Jason Longshore, but he's no CCV. Well, I mean, you know, no, I mean, he's he has the knowledge of the show. I'm just the idiot who makes us all laugh. So that's why I love having him around. It makes me look better. But yes, at the end of the day, I missed you guys. It was a lot of fun. I was thinking about you guys, like I said, when I was watching the game because I know you guys were screaming just like I was screaming at the TV in California. And it's good to be back, and I can't wait for Saturday. This has just gone completely off the woodwork. <laughs> all right, he's Craig Carlos Valentino. I'm Kyle Tate. See ya. Peace. Oh!